you're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Welcome to The Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and it's so good to have you with us here today. Um, If it's your first time, man, I'm just so honored that you're here. Welcome. I'm glad that you're with us today as we're in this series called Dangerous Prayers. Right now, we're in a season called 21 Days of Prayer, and it's part of our annual rhythm as a church. Every January, we do 21 days of prayer as a way of setting aside the first part of the year for God. We fast and pray during the January 21 days of prayer. And I just think it's such a good way to get your heart in the right place as you face a new year. And then by the time August comes around, I find that I need a detox. I need, I need, to, I need to flush a little bit of the year out of my system, especially in 2020 and 2021, right? I've just, August is here and I need to flush a little bit out of my system. I need some time to devote myself to prayer. And so that's what the August 21 days of prayer is really about. It's about just reconnecting with God before we get back into the fall season and all of that. And so what that rhythm looks like for us is pretty simple, really. We come together on Sunday mornings, and that's part of it. And then Monday through Friday, uh, you can join us online, either on our social media accounts uh, at Gather Asheville, or you can go to live.gatherashville.org. And you can join us there, and we will give you about a 10-minute prompt. So just a, we'll, we'll share a little bit about what's on our heart, open up in prayer for the day, and we'll pray together. And that's at 7 a.m., Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday, we have a prayer service. And I, I got to tell you, my favorite thing about 21 days of prayer is the prayer services that we do. We just come together. It's not intimidating. It's not scary. We worship together a little bit. And then I'll share a little bit just for about five, 10 minutes. And then we'll turn the music up loud and just kind of give people space and opportunity to pray. And after we do that for about 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, we'll come back together and we'll close in prayer. And that's the whole thing. It lasts exactly an hour, always. It's not like when I preach and I'm like, we'll probably be done around 10. It's not like that. It's always over at exactly 10. It goes from 9 to 10. And that's at 123 Sweeten Creek Road, the Seacoast Asheville uh, facility. And Seacoast Church is, a, is like a, that's like a family member to us. And we, uh, they allow us to use their space for that. And so we'd love to have you come out Saturday morning prayer. But 21 days of prayer is the season that we're in right now. And so we usually teach on prayer in August. And this year, uh, we're talking about dangerous prayers. We're being edgy, you guys. We're talking, we're getting some danger in our prayers. Let me tell you why we call it dangerous prayers. First, there's a book by Craig Rochelle that came out last year called Called dangerous prayers. You should read it. It's incredible. It will, it will help boost your prayer life. And that's been a resource for us here. But the idea is this, is that oftentimes as followers of Jesus, we like to pray safe prayers. You know, dear Lord, I lift up travel and mercies for my brother Daniel. Dear God, what is a travel and mercy? Okay, where did we invent that term? We just say, God, keep him safe on the road. Come on. Uh, we say, travel and mercies. We pray, Lord, bless this food that I'm about to eat as I prepare to eat this 18-inch pizza from Papa John's by myself. God, I ask that you would bless it, you know, and 
He ain't going to bless it. You know, that's the spoiler alert. It's not going to be blessed. And then we pray those kinds of prayers. We ask for things. You, we often, in, in our prayer lives, will we'll turn our prayers towards things that uh, we were taught to pray as a kid that's a ritual prayer or, or that's about somebody else. You know, I think, you know, we'll pray, God, help this person to recover, to get better. And those are all important things to pray. I think it's good to have rituals of prayer. I think it's good and important to pray over your food. I think it's great to pray for somebody as they travel. I think it's necessary to ask God uh, interceding on behalf of others. These are good prayers. But there is another kind of prayer that God wants you to pray. They're a kind of prayer, and I think what makes them dangerous is that when you pray in this category, God almost always answers the prayer. They're prayers that he wants you to ask, and he is expecting it so that he can respond to it. And we call them dangerous prayers because God responds to them. And often the response that he gives us is one that challenges us. They challenge us. Today's dangerous prayer is pretty simple. Last week it was change me. This week it's search me. Search me is the prayer today. I want to teach you to ask God to search your heart today to search the deepest corners of your mind, to search your actions and your motivations and to bring to light anything that he finds. I think we go through a lot of our lives uh, pushing aside the things that make us uncomfortable, pushing aside the, the motivations that we don't want to acknowledge, pushing aside the reason behind our action that we don't want to understand because to understand, to acknowledge, to see would require growth in that area. And growing is never easy. Growing always hurts. It always requires change and pain and all of these intentional moments that are difficult to live in. And so I think a lot of times we push things away. And so the prayer that I would ask you to pray today, the dangerous prayer, is that God would reveal those things to us. Search me. Often we're going to not like what we discover when we ask God to search us. And we may not always like how we have to deal with it. David, the writer of the Psalms, the king of Israel, uh, the defeater of Goliath, he prayed this prayer in Psalm 139. And we can pray that psalm as our own prayer. I've been talking over the last week during prayer promptings and last Sunday about the power of praying the scriptures. I believe that if you are new in your faith or, or maybe you've been a Christian a long time, you've always struggled in your prayer life, or maybe you pray every single day, but you're looking for ways to take it deeper. One of the best ways you can do all of those things is to pray the scriptures. The Christians have been doing this since the beginning of Christianity. In fact, the Jewish people were doing this before us. Praying the scriptures has always been a part of the spiritual walk of faith. It's an important thing that we do, and, and praying the scriptures isn't that hard. You can just look at a psalm like Psalm 139, and you can read it out loud and mean it, and you've just had a prayer Congratulations, you've prayed for today, it's great. Praying the scriptures is an excellent cheat code in Christianity. It's, a, it's an excellent way uh, to make it easier on yourself. You can pray, you can read a passage in the gospels and then just 
Say out loud what you think about it to God. Ask questions about it. Praying the scripture is a powerful tool that we have. Today, as we look at Psalm 139, this is a, a scripture that you could just pray. And it goes like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David, at this point, is facing persecution from people who are claiming he's not faithful to following God the way that he's supposed to. They're, they're questioning his motives. They're questioning his position in life. And all this is happening. And so his response isn't a, respond, a public response in anger. Instead, he responds in private by asking God to search his heart and tell me whether or not they're right. So let's break this passage down together and we'll learn how we can pray it and what might happen if we do. The first thing that David says is, search my heart. Search my heart. First thing we do is we ask God to search my heart. Search me and know my heart. How many of us have heard the saying, follow your heart, right? Follow your heart. We say this, we say this as Christians, follow your heart, brother. You know, just follow. Well, I, it used to be my favorite way to answer people anytime somebody, and people would just get frustrated anytime they asked me any question. You know, it'd be like, hey, what do you want for lunch today? And I'm just like, follow your heart. You know, like, hey, do you think I should marry this person? Follow your heart. I said it almost any question that was asked of me. And I've heard it said a lot in the church setting. And, and you know, it's that, oh, well, my heart was leading me in this direction. And so that's what we did. I really felt like my heart was, was leading me to go do this. And so that's what God wants us to do. Let me tell you what God says about your heart. Uh, this is Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who even really knows how bad it is? Oh, Lord. That didn't land well for some of you. Here's the deal. The Bible is clear, start to finish. We are broken, fallen people. Our hearts are changed and warped by sin. There's good in there. There is. And some of the desires of your heart were placed there by God. There is pieces of what he wants for you in your hearts. And some of the things in your heart are good and God loves the joy that it brings to you. But there is right there alongside of it and really just kind of all tangled up and mixed together sin in your heart, brokenness in your heart. And there's lies in your heart and our hearts can be deceitful. It says it's the most deceitful of all things. And if you don't believe me, you know how you feel when you're driving down the road and that hot now sign is on? You know what I'm saying? Krispy Kreme. I know that people are like, oh, we got to go to like Vortex Donuts or Whole Donuts. I'm like, okay, fancy pants. I'm a Krispy Kreme guy. And you know the feeling. You're driving down the road and you see that hot now sign on. And my heart tells me, my heart says to me, John Mark, it's me, your heart. If you'll eat five of those Krispy Kreme donuts, you're going to feel great. And I'm just like, you know what? Sometimes I got to follow my heart. You know, and I sit there in the line and I'm, I'm in a hurry to go somewhere, but I'm waiting 13 minutes in the Krispy Kreme line, just waiting. And I get up there and I order that half dozen because I want to save one for Rael, you know? 
And I eat, I just, I, and this is, look, I'm just being honest with you today, okay? I'm gonna pull over from that drive-thru into a parking spot and I'm gonna open up that box with one napkin, which is never enough. And I'm gonna eat five of those donuts. And my heart told me it would feel good and my heart told me I would be happy. And for, you know, three minutes of bliss, I'm so happy as I'm eating these donuts. Who knows the after Krispy Kreme donut feeling? Who's been there before? There is no greater feeling of emptiness and regret than the feeling you have immediately after you've eaten a Krispy Kreme donut. It is all gone. The joy, the desire, the want, it leaves. All you have now is a headache, your stomach hurts, and somehow you're hungrier than you were when you started. The heart is deceitful above all things, you guys. It is telling us lies all the time. Have you ever had that friend who only dated people who were absolutely horrible for them? And you see a horrible breakup coming from miles and miles away, but they're just so in love. And the heart wants what the heart wants. And then the breakup happens, and you've got to be the one that keeps showing up to mend their broken heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. So I wonder what kind of things your heart has lied to you about. What's hidden in there that you just don't know is true? How do you keep lying to yourself? Maybe it's about your intentions. On the lighter side, we tell ourselves, hey, I'm only going to eat one of these Oreo cookies when we know darn well that we're going to polish off the entire container. We lie about our intentions because we want to make ourselves feel better, but the truth is inside of our hearts, isn't it? You know, I'm only going to look. I'm only going to pull up that website for a second, but I'm not doing anything else. I'm just gonna look, it's gonna be okay, but our heart knows the full intention. Our hearts deceive us and they lie to us and they lead us in the wrong directions. Maybe you tell yourself you're only gonna work nights and weekends for a season to get ahead and then you'll be there for your family. But if God reveals what's in your heart, it's something different. There ain't no end to the season in there, just the desire for more. Maybe your heart's hiding bitterness Maybe you told yourself you were over that hurt, but you really aren't. And you've been avoiding that person because you just don't want to deal with it. Maybe your heart's lying to you about something you want, telling you that it's something you need. Or even worse, that it's what God wants for you. Christians are bad about that one. We want a life change or a big dream or something we don't think people will approve of or understand. And so we just convince ourselves that God told us to do it because then what can they say? We need to ask God to search our hearts and reveal the truth of it. And that can be a dangerous prayer because if God begins to reveal the truth in our hearts, we have to start to face those truths. David says, search my heart. And then he prays, reveal my fears. Search me, God. Know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts. We need to ask God to show us our greatest areas of anxiety. What are the biggest worries we have? What are we keeping hidden? What are we keeping not so hidden? And maybe it constantly occupies your mind. I'm not talking about your fear of spiders or clowns or things that are unnaturally small. Little known fact, actually. Mikey is terrified of needles. And he told me this in confidence this week, but I'm sorry, Mikey. <laughs> 
He's so scared of them. He has tattoos and he's a tattoo guy. And every single time that Mikey has sat in the chair to get tattoos, he's passed out in the chair while getting his tattoos. Terrified. <laughs> he's terrified of needles. <laughs> That's not the kind of fear that I'm talking about. I'm talking about different kinds. I'm talking about the kinds of fears that are far more personal. The kinds of things that we mostly bury and that we just avoid. I think it's time for us to ask God to show him the fears that we haven't trusted him with. I believe we've got anxieties and fears and worries in our hearts that we don't want to talk to God about because we don't want to be assured about it. We don't want to be reminded of how powerful he is or how big he is. Or maybe we don't want to be reminded to trust him with it. Like that fear that you won't ever meet the right person. Or that fear that every relationship you're in is destined to fail. Or the fear that the people who you love don't actually love you. Or the fear that failure is in everything you touch. I wonder what's in your heart. What fears you've buried that are affecting you in ways you may not even know. In your decision making in the way you are able to connect in your intimacy with others, even in the way that you interact with the world around you. We need to ask God to show us our fears so that we can begin to trust him with them. Because what we fear the most shows where we trust God the least. What we fear the most shows where we trust God the least maybe you have good reason not to trust God with that area of your life. Maybe your life's taken away your ability to trust God in that area. I get it. For a while, I was afraid that I couldn't trust anybody. I had, a, I had earned it. I'd had a series of close friends, honestly, enough that it was like maybe I'm the problem who betrayed me, who lied to me, who hid things that were explosive. And after the chips began to fall one after the other, I got to a place where I just closed myself off altogether to being in any kind of real relationship with someone who's not my family. And so I prayed this prayer. Search me, God. Reveal my fears. Show me every anxious thought. And there it was. God said, you got to learn how to trust people again. And I remember wrestling through this season of prayer. God, I'm not going to do that. You know, you didn't. Nope, they don't deserve it. You know, people, you let somebody get close enough to you, they can hurt you a lot worse than they can when you keep them at arm's length. But there it was. And so I began to deal with it. And little by little, over time, I'm learning to trust again because God has shown me this fear that I was hiding in my heart. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love 
the scriptures because I feel that we often, un, we don't appreciate how much God understands our hearts. Here's, I'm, maybe somebody's given you this verse out of context before. You were like, hey, I'm, I'm worried about this super legitimate thing. And they're like, well, God says, don't be anxious about anything, brother. So you don't have the faith and you just, you need to trust God more. That's not what the verse says. It says to take every anxiety, every fear, every worry that you have and begin to trust God with it. Not that those things won't happen. A fear of falling, you might still fall. What it says is, he'll, he'll be with you. His peace will overwhelm you. That even in moments where it doesn't make sense, he'll make you feel seen by him, noticed by him, held by him, wanted by him. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your fears on him because he cares for you. He never says that what you're afraid of will never happen. He just says that he wants to give you peace when it does. When we begin to trust God with these fears, when we release them one by one to him and we trust him with one area after, of our life after another, he brings peace into those areas of our lives that we've given back to him. I'm at a place where I trust people again. I let people in again. I got close friends again. That doesn't mean they won't let me down. They might. But if they do, I'll continue to trust God through it. And he'll give me peace even when it doesn't make sense and I'll be able to do it again. God, reveal my fears. Show me the areas where I need to trust you more and lean into you more. And then uncover my sins. And we don't like this one. I think this is our least favorite part of the prayer. It says in Psalm 139, see if there is any offensive way in me. I, I love that David is praying this prayer at this moment in history. Psalm 139 is at the back of the Psalms, but it's at the front of David's time as king. They're, they're kind of stuck in there based on the kind of psalm they are rather than in chronological order. And so this moment in history is we think when David is about to be made king. And as David was being made king, there were a lot of people who opposed that move. There was groups of people who wanted the previous king's descendants to take the role of king and not David and wanted generals or other people to be made kings. Anytime there's succession, there's always the wars of succession. And one of the main arguments for the succession to go to David was that he had been anointed by the prophet Samuel and was God's chosen king. So his detractors said, well, he can't be God's chosen king because he doesn't live the way God tells us to live. And these people were really just trying to use faith to push their political agendas. But instead of David lashing out against them, he praised this prayer. And he asked God to search his heart, his motives, to reveal his fears, to show him if he actually was acting in sin. I wonder what would happen if our response uh, when so was like this, when someone accused us of not doing the right thing. If instead of bowing up against them, we step back to say, wait a minute, is there any truth to this? Could this be, God, can you reveal to me whether or not there's any truth 
to this, we don't always respond that way. Rather, our response to somebody calling us out for anything is usually to get defensive, to push back, to justify whatever actions we've taken. And so as we pray this and we ask God to uncover our sins and actually ask God to show us areas where we're not doing it right, ask these three questions. They'll help you uncover it. First, what are others trying to tell me? If you trust people and you allow people into your life and you have people that are close to you, they're going to see this stuff a lot of times before you can because the heart is deceitful above all things. And in our hearts, we'll convince us, we'll rationalize, we'll convince ourselves that what we're doing is right, that it's okay, that, that we're not acting the wrong way. But often the people who are closest to you, your spouse, your significant other, your best friends, the people who you're with every day, they can see it before you can. So what are others trying to tell me? What am I trying to rationalize? Is there something that you're doing that you're consistently reminding yourself that, you know what, it's okay if I do this. This isn't hurting anybody. This is, you know, this is it feels good for me. It's not hurting anybody else. What's the big deal? I wonder what else in your life you're trying to rationalize right now. And then where am I the most defensive? Where do I bow up? What what category, what topic of conversation do I not allow anyone around me to go into? When I lived in California, I had an accountability partner named John Colburn. And John is one of the best humans I've ever met in my life. He really is an awesome dude. And we were friends, and John knew everything about me. We met once a week for accountability and just opened up to one another. And I was meeting with him for the last time and getting ready to move out here to start this church, to go be a lead pastor. I'd been a student pastor and John had served in the student ministry that I led. And so we really were together in a lot of things. And as I prepared to go do this, I asked him, hey man, before I go, is there anything you see in me that I need to be aware of? This is a dangerous question to ask people who are close to you. Be, you gotta, hey, you got to drop your defenses and be ready for the answer because I wasn't. I kind of thought he'd be like, bro, I'm so proud of you. You are so perfect in all your ways, John Mark. Just go and keep doing what you're doing and God will have favor in your heart. And that's not what happened. John sat back and he crossed his arms, thought for a minute, and he said, well, John Mark, when you're in a crowd of people, you tend to make yourself a spectacle. You say ridiculous things, you act crazy, you make a lot of stuff up, you overpower any other person in conversation in order to entertain the people around you. And I think if you're going to pastor people well, it's okay to be a funny guy and be yourself, but you may need to scale the spectacle back just a little bit. You may need to let other people speak. At some point, you're probably going to have to listen to people. John Mark, if I'm being honest, you don't ever listen to anybody. And, I, and my face is turning like dark red at this point. And I'm like, I thought this guy was my friend. He is not my friend. He doesn't even know me. He is ridiculous. So I, 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 I was like, John, what are you talking about, man? That people love who I am at a party, okay? I am the party, John. Don't what are you talking about, bro? And then he was like, okay, let's just get into a scenario. 
Remember last week, we were at Megan and Todd's house, and Megan and Todd were moving away, and it was, it was their party, and it was also one of their children's birthdays. Remember that? It was their child's birthday. <laughs> and every time their child wanted to talk to people, you would step in front and loudly talk over the child. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. That was hilarious. People were having a great time. Well, you know, I don't think Claire was having a good time. <laughs> and so we had this conversation, and I'm rationalizing. I'm, I'm, I'm upset at him. I'm defensive. I'm mad. I'm arguing. And then I think to myself, I'll pray about it, John. I'll pray about it, you know? So I begin to pray around it, and I begin to talk to other people who are close to me and say, hey, John said this. What do you think about that? And every time I would ask that, they go, oh. John said that. Yeah, we kind of feel that way. (laughs) And I began to realize that people, especially my beautiful wife, had been trying to tell me this for a long time. And as I asked God to search my heart, I saw that it came from a place of insecurity and anxiety, and it led me into this place of social gluttony. I needed attention. I heard it from others, I rationalized it, I was defensive about it, and it was an area of my life that needed significant work. And the work in that area of my life was long-term and it was very difficult, and I'm still working on it. If you were on a softball team with me, you know I'm still working on it. I wonder what your area is. I wonder if you were to ask that question to someone close in your life, how they would respond to you. And I wonder how you would respond to their answer. I think that those questions matter deeply. If we want to grow and be more like Jesus, and if we want to have greater satisfaction and peace in our lives, and if we want to get closer and closer to who God's made us to be, and if you're a leader, if you want to lead the way that you can lead, and and if you are in a family, if you want to be the best spouse you can be, the best parent you can be, if you want to be the best friend you can be, I I wonder what journeys are ahead for each of us if we begin to ask these questions. Uncover my sins, God. And then finally, it says, lead me. David says, lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. I love that prayer. Ask God to search you and to show you the way forward from whatever he reveals and the right next steps for you to take, the right people for you to talk to, the best way for you to rebuild and grow and move on. Study his scripture and pray more than you have in the past. Ask him to use that time of prayer to speak truth into every area he has revealed. Ask him to help you attack these fears, big fears that have come from big life experiences are hard to come up against. It is gonna take an army and a lot of time and attention for you to work through these things. Ask God to show you the first step. Don't ever get too overwhelmed by the journey. Just focus on what your next step is and take that step and begin to, begin to change a little bit A little bit at a time. Lead me in the way everlasting. People ask me from time to time, 
How do I hear from God? How do I know what path God wants me to take? How do I know that I'm, I'm doing his will? How do, I, how do I know God's will? And the answer is complicated. It is, it's a complicated answer. It's, here's what I believe. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to you in a way that's hard to miss. He calls you to something in a way that feels obvious to you, that feels like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I feel the Spirit's called me. Sometimes it's obvious, but I think those times are, are rare and few and far between. That's for some of us, our path may never involve that kind of calling. That's okay. That doesn't mean you don't have calling and purpose on your life. You 100% do. The scriptures echo it over and over again. I just think the way that God leads us and speaks to us is usually in a way that's much more subtle. Because that's, that's the image we get throughout scripture of the way that God speaks. And the way that he encourages and calls and leads people. When we've done the work of asking God to search our hearts and we begin to align our hearts with his will, when we address the sin in our lives and we begin to build our faith over the areas where we have fears, as we do these things and as we take this journey, something begins to happen inside of us. The closer we grow to God, the more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend around his people, the more time we spend serving others on behalf of him, the more time we spend studying his word, the more we do those things, the more our will just, it changes what you want. It changes a little bit what you, what your heart is telling you to do. It shifts and it starts to kind of line up with God's will. They meet. And if you want to know how to know God's will for your life, I would say get to know him in every way and in every area that you can. Pursue him. Spend time with him. Pray. Read his word. Be around his people. Be a part of his church. Do the things that you know he loves and what you want, it's going to be closer to what he wants. You'll be able to just make the right decisions. You'll go in that direction. If you're consistently in relationship with God and praying prayers like, search me, God, you'll choose the right path because it'll become the path you want to take. So let's pray this prayer, church. It's dangerous. It requires a heavy, this is, this is a heavy work prayer. Search me. Know my heart. Reveal my anxious thoughts. Uncover my sins. Lead me in the way everlasting. He's going to answer these prayers. And if we want to grow as a person, grow to be more like him, despite the fact that it is not going to be easy, we need to pray this prayer. Ask God to enter into the most guarded areas of your life and just see what happens. If you're in here today and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus and maybe there's, there's parts of every one of these areas that you know it needs work. Your, your heart, maybe it's kind of a mess right now. And 
Maybe it feels like it's missing something and you've been trying to fill that every single way that you can. Maybe you're alienated from relationships in your life because they tried to show you something that was wrong, that was off focus and you pushed them away as a result of that. Maybe your life's been so riddled by the anxiety and the fears of this life that it's been paralyzing for you, hard to move forward. Maybe... You hear me talking about going in a way everlasting and you're just trying to figure out what your next step is. You don't even know where to go from here. If that's you, I want you to know there's hope for you. There is a path forward for you. There is freedom from every area of sin for you. And there is one who can take every misguided thing in your heart and make it whole again. If you enter into a relationship with Jesus today, you get to take that next step in the right direction. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get your life in order today. You don't have to check off a bunch of boxes. You don't have to be perfect. You could have done something terrible this morning and God would still forgive you and enter into a relationship with you today because of the work of his son, Jesus, on the cross. So if you'd like to enter into a relationship with him right now and begin this journey, every head bowed, every eye closed, we just say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for wanting relationship with me, for pursuing me, and for meeting me here now. I believe in you, and I believe in, in you, Jesus, that you went to the cross and, and did that so that I could be forgiven and be in relationship. And I thank you for coming back so that I wouldn't have to face death. Forgive me for my sins. I lay my life down at your feet. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. The Gathering Church Podcast is produced by the Gathering Church Creative Team. Want to get involved? Fill out a Connect card online at gatherashville.org Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.